everyone. It's another week of Find Your Film. This one is very, oh, Eric Holmes looks very, 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 what is it, meditative. He has a green, a literal green screen in his background on our video pod. And then, you know, Bruce is just chilling. Bruce is, quo percus, I... I eat yeah. It's I yeah. I eat yeah. Very yeah. Very cool to uh, nice ni- nice play on a, I su- supposedly a critically acclaimed film. Eric Holmes loved that film last week. Bruce Perky is going to discuss Bruce Perky. Very big week for you as far as Oscar shorts. You, how how long did it take for you to watch all of that stuff? Uh, about three days. I mean, it's not that long. I, I just watched a section a day, like an, uh, you know, a category a day, basically. And Eric. Holmes, something Eric this way comes. I am not going to tell our audio listeners how you decided to spell that on your window. On you renamed it. Yeah, you know we're an E show. E E doesn't mean everything. E means explicit. So comes. Let's just <laughs> let's just say that you spelled it C O M E S. Come to butthead. <laughs> right, right. So Eric Holmes, a lot of Ray Bradbury within the last week. What what do you got for us last week? Have you been uh, just devouring a lot of cinema or shorts or? Yeah, uh, pretty much a, a bunch of the shorts. A couple that we're going to talk, you know, a couple new ones that we're going to talk about. And uh, it definitely took a trip down memory lane with something that wicked this way comes. Something wicked this way comes. Okay. And, and Eric Holmes will have a nice little teaser. Oh, Eric, you know, we're, we're just going to tease it right now. You know, once we get to your review of that, what will, can our listeners expect regarding something wicked this way comes? Yeah, so this was uh, not the hardest thing to come by, but not the easiest thing to come by. It's on video, and you have to work to find it. But much like what we did with Intensity, I think I'm going to hand out, you know, we're going to try that uh, video chain mail thing again. And uh, I think uh, we'll post this on the, when this episode comes out, we'll post it on the Find Your Film Facebook page. Yes. And then just put a comment. Uh, put a comment below saying something wicked comes to me or you know just put hey how's it going and uh uh, once we post it on there after say 24 hours i'll just collect all the names of people who commented and just randomize it and then i'll uh message you from there and i will send it to you and then you watch the movie and then maybe you send it to someone else and they watch the movie and maybe they send it to, you know, so on and so forth. So uh, even though it's a hard movie to find, maybe uh, one day it'll something wicked will come to you. <laughs> well, Eric's very kind. He's, he's, he loves sending out discs to everybody. I remember four or five years ago, he sent me and Anderson a disc of bright lights, big city, and also the professionals, both of which I have not known. Scalp hunters. Scalp hunters, my fault. The Professionals was a movie I really loved. The Scalp Hunters, I tried 10 minutes in and I realized Ozzy, you know, no disrespect to the late Ozzy Davis, love him. But when I realized Ozzy Davis was actually the lead in the movie in a, in a weird way, I, I don't know. I just decided, hey, this is not a, what, who's Burt Lancaster, right? Is that he's the lead? Burt Lancaster yeah. and Telly Savalas. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I, I was like, this was, a, and it was a comedy. It was a weird tone and I'm going to get back to it. I'm sure it's really awesome, Eric. It's been out you sent me an old dvd copy which is really cool but then i believe arrow or kino came out with another version of it so Ooh. it's a movie that i i can't wait yeah yeah they did the scalp hunters but yeah eric's all about sending out physical media because listeners dvds and blue blu-rays are still very very important meaning he was saying it's hard to find something wicked this way it comes out you, you need to find it on video a lot of these movies that you think are streaming are not 
available for streaming or rental or whatever. You not, Sometimes you actually might need to find the Blu-ray or disc. And that's teasing in about several weeks, we're going to actually cover a movie that Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky purchased only on Blu-ray. So that's something that we will, and it's a Belgian film, by the way. So pretty interesting. Probably my only, oh, Eric Holmes. Yes, To sir. that point, to that point, mm-hmm. that may be showing up any second now. So if I got to bounce for a quick second. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Rain, rain may be coming to the door any second now. So. <laughs> rain, yeah, rain. Oh, okay, very cool. Rain and rain is, is I think, it's part of the whole "What's in the Box" universe yeah. that Bruce Perky has. Oh, and you know what, Bruce Perky, for "What's in the Box," can you just just little tease before we get into the main review? What what are what's in the box this week for you to review? It's a 1987 movie called "The Caller." Mm, the call. It sounds ominous. Sounds interesting. 1987. I was. I was 16 then. How old were you, Eric, in 1987? 87? Uh, yes. I was 10 years old. 10 years old. And, Nine, and just turning 10 years old. Bruce, did you graduate? Oh, okay. So, Bruce, were you graduating from high school in 87? 22. Oh, 22. Okay. So, The Caller. It sounds like a very interesting movie. We'll see if Bruce Perky gives it the, that proverbial recommendation for the what's in the <laughs> box that is a very <laughs> evil laugh um we'll see what bruce Berge has but you know what this week for our feature reviews we're going to be a little bit scattershot there are three movies one of them i'm going to fold them into one of my, for my recommendation of the week okay that's a movie called mafia okay so that's going to be my recommendation this week for the features we have two films held and looking for a lady with fangs and a mustache thank you bruce perky for actually properly putting that on the google doc because i would have screwed up that name like a you know what now first the first up first movie up is a movie that we plan to cover and it's one of these things that i have to offer a little bit of a mea culpa i interviewed the actors of held just pull i'm putting the curtains whatever whatever, I'm, i'm opening the curtains I interviewed the actors from Held, the directors from Held. It's a movie I really enjoyed. I, I don't know if you know this, Eric Holmes. I checked my MacBook today. My interviews with these wonderful people, gone. One of the, uh, it was, yeah. So now I'm going to save everything. I'm going to save, I'm going to save things to the cloud, to the drive, to everything. My apologies to the people over at Held. Eric Holmes, were you, gonna, you were I thinking was, about something. I was going to say, a lot of times computers automatically save to the cloud, even though you don't think they do. So yeah. I'm just saying you might want to check there. Maybe it's safe, but I mean, that I, I wouldn't bet on it, but it's possible they could be saved. Yes, I, I, I'm going to try one more time, but most likely it is lost in the ether. Now, anyways, directed by Chris Laughling and I believe that's Laughling or Laughing and Travis Clough, written by Jill Aubrey. Here's the interesting thing, interesting thing. Jill Aubrey, A-W-B-R-E-Y. She is the also the actress co-lead in Hell that stars Jill and Bart Johnson. They play a married couple, and their marriage is not is on is sort of going south. They they kind of don't like each other. They're trying to reignite some kind of spark, so they go. They they decide to have a really nice romantic getaway. Just them. They go into the nice, cozy, intimate home, and they realize that they can't escape because there is a an intruder, an interloper, possibly a killer who has control of the house. He has control over them. He drugs them. He may, it might be a she. I'm assuming it's a he. The, just say, just saying, this weird person is has put himself or herself into the middle of their lives. Now the married couple must figure out Emma. Their their names are Emma and Henry. They must figure out who is behind all of this madness and 
can they actually escape the house, the home alive in one piece, or will be, or will they be held? And maybe, may, will they be held in that home for quite a while until maybe both of them are victims of this supposed criminal or killer? So that is the premise of Held. I'm a huge fan of genre thrillers. I really, and this has nothing to do with me losing the interviews. I actually requested the interviews after watching Held. It's a B-movie thriller, which I thought it was, was really well-written. I really enjoyed the performances in this movie. Interesting twist. I enjoyed it. I would give this a recommend. It comes out on this Friday, April 9th, in theaters and on demand. If you love nail-biting thrillers, sort of two-handers, and it's it surprised me. It's a Magnet releasing release. So if you like anything that Magnet comes out with, you're, you're going to probably like Held. That's my review of it. Bruce Perky. Let's start with you. You disagree. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you have to test my brain a little bit since I actually watched this. How many weeks ago was that? Three two, weeks ago, maybe? I think three, two, <laughs> two weeks. Yeah, two weeks ago. I think I watched it pretty early. So yeah. um, Eric's always saying his brain is broke. My brain might be broke a little bit too, but I will do my best here. I was very middle of the road on this movie. I think for me, there's a big twist. And obviously we're not going to talk about the twist. The big twist to me seemed really, I didn't know exactly what the twist would be, but it seemed pretty obvious where this was headed to me and it kind of reminded me of another movie that I like a lot better from a long long time ago leave it at that it just kind of seemed blunt it kind of seemed everything that it did was very overly obvious to me or something I don't know there wasn't this level of subtlety to this movie that that I felt like would have made it more interesting I don't know I felt the mystery wasn't intriguing enough for me Mm. and the characters weren't that intriguing to me either everything seemed kind of like i said middle of the road the final third there was some stuff that was pretty cool it got a little grittier than i thought it might get and i appreciated the fact that it actually went a little bit uh more intense than i thought it was based on the first half of the movie so i'll give it credit for that there was a subplot with a driver which i thought was ludicrous and really really bad <laughs> i thought that was cute i i will say that i thought that was pretty funny that was a pretty but agreed but so for me this would be um uh i would say not really recommend if it was streaming for free give it a try for the first half and see if you like it but i wouldn't for me i wouldn't go out of my way for it okay so that is bruce's vote on held he was not really taken with held i was eric holmes break the tie this one's kind of weird uh because i don't know I didn't love this movie, but then there's other parts that I do. And I can't tell if that's the movie's fault or my fault. As just a regular thriller, you know, it's fine. You know, it's definitely intriguing. And it kind of got me wondering what was going on. But then Bruce says it has a twist. And then the twist kind of ruined things for me a little bit. Now, it doesn't have the same twist as it's nothing like a high tension. But if you remember watching High Tension, it's like, wow, wow, okay, yeah, this is really good. And then the twist comes and it's like, wait, no, that's, the, the, the twist kind of breaks the movie, sort of. On top of that, there's, not only does it break the movie, but I think there's like a uh, a larger message that the movie's trying to tell. And also with that twist, I think that message kind of gets a little convoluted. Bruce said that it was pretty obvious. For me, it was a little too vague, which I guess is <laughs> just goes the exact opposite of what Bruce says. I, I know this movie's trying to tell me something. I just couldn't figure out what it was that it was trying to tell me. Well, and I, I was gonna say, I'll just butt in. I think there's a couple ways that you could guess this might go. And I guessed one of the ways. And that was maybe just a lucky guess on my part. But I could see exactly what you're saying too, though. Yeah. I, and it's, it's not even a, like the twist isn't even about 
like guessing or not guessing it when the movie gives you information of what's really going on then you start to think back of what already happened and usually when you have a twist you think of back of what already happened you're like oh okay okay now all this stuff starts to come together with this one once the twist happened i started thinking about what already happened i'm like wait now that's you know and instead of instead of enhancing the story it almost kind of broke it and then also again with the uh and you can tell me if i'm wrong i think it was about basically violence against women or uh like toxic relationships i got that out of it for sure once it went in with that twist it kind of the message kind of lost its focus for me yeah i mean the message to me worked personally i think the whole thing about it is um I can't really, it's some, it's hard to, to argue yeah. back because <laughs> yeah. once you do that, you reveal the theme of it and what's, what's a, the twist and everything, but it worked for me. It might not work for some in fairness, Rotten Tomatoes held currently as we speak, as of this recording, it has a 60% from just 10 nine reviews. more to go. Just nine more to go. <laughs> just nine more to go. So, <laughs> right, very, very good. But, but yes, yeah, yeah, 60% for held. It's again, it's in theaters on demand listeners. If you check this out, Tell us what what you think of it. I yeah. enjoyed it. I, this is a solid recommend for me, especially if you love thrillers. I enjoyed it. Bruce I, and Eric would not recommend it. Eric likes certain parts of it, but he kind of be broke. I I think I think there's people that if they watch this just on a thriller basis, maybe they could get into it. But I I think where this movie fails the hardest is uh, getting across its message. I don't think it comes across very well. Okay, so that is held. I again, my apologies to the directors and the actors for failing them. Speaking of failures, I failed them for not actually including the held interviews for this podcast, which I was supposed to do like a like a responsible critic, but I wasn't so responsible. That won't happen again. So that is our first movie feature. Our second movie review is only taken by Eric Holmes. Looking for a lady with fangs and a mustache. Great title. It's, it's hard to remember because it's such a long title. Looking for a lady with fangs and a mustache. Looking for a lady with fangs and a mustache. Okay, I got it. Is this title as good? Is the movie itself as good as the title? Here it comes. It is, but it's not going to be at all what you're expecting by reading the title. So, uh, well, I'll, I'll just read the IMDb thing. When a series of visions sends a skeptical entrepreneur to seek spiritual advice, an eccentric Buddhist monk predicts his imminent death unless he can locate an elusive lady with fangs in a mustache um, that's an interesting title that's an interesting plot and uh, just just real quick greg uh have you seen any trailers or anything for this no zero what, what the name of the title and what i just read to you the synopsis what does that evoke from you like what movie do you think this might be mm, I, don't, I mean like it's like one of those um Sort of like an it's a one like one of those reflective it's a wonderful life kind of thing. You have to like look back at your life or you have to live uh, live your best life kind of thing. That's what I think. How, how right. would you well, Bruce? What do you think about this? What do you think the tone is of this one? Well, I mean, if I didn't have the description at all, I would have thought maybe it was some kind of a like a cheesy, you know, almost a horror movie or something, or maybe uh like a maybe a folktale horror movie or something. Yeah. Well, it's it's uh, I think Greg's a little closer. It's definitely not a yeah. horror movie. But yeah, the uh, so the main guy finds out that he's going to die in like three days, something like that, unless he can find this uh, lady. And there's a name for it, Dayaki or Daika. It, it's it's uh, some Buddhist creature, cryptos, you know, crypto cryptoid or whatever, basically kind of like a succubus but kind of the opposite of a succubus it's it's i mean you can look it like, up it, if i could give actually, you she'll give you energy and give yeah. you 
uh, yeah, kind of you life. At, at least that's the way I understand it. I've, I've never uh, come across this uh, legendary creature before, but he has to find this woman and the Buddha the Buddhist gives him a couple ways, you know, you can make these, uh, you make these hand gestures. And if uh, that is in front of you, it will reveal itself and then you'll know, but you can only do the hand gesture twice and you have to do it in private. And so he keeps going to these Buddhists who are uh, continually kind of giving them advice on how to find these, this creature, which it's not a creature. It would just look like a normal woman. Maybe could be a man. I don't know. It's really vague on what it is he's looking for and how he's supposed to look for it. This becomes almost a love story because there's a couple women in his life that he, you know, some he's attracted to, some he's like loves like a sister, you know, some are more like friends to him, family, you know, that that sort of thing. It reminded me kind of uh, a lot of Chunking Express. It, it has that kind of flavor to it. Movie is shot by Mark Lee Ping Bing, who is the cinematographer behind In the Mood for Love. Oh, the there Mood you go. for Love is yeah, directed by Wong Kar Wai. Wong Kar Wai is the, also the director of the aforementioned Chunking Express. Yeah. Oh, that totally makes sense. I didn't know that, but uh, uh, does it yeah, work? The, does it does this work, or does it drag, or is it does it had it had a different title, and I wasn't expecting a B horror movie. <laughs> I think I would have been on board a lot quicker than I was. But about halfway through, like I started kind of understanding what it was, where what it was I was watching, and then I just kind of fell in love with it from there on. I kind of got uh like almost soaked into the. I hate to say mystery because mystery and play something darker this is not a dark movie this is really kind of a light movie and even though he has looming dread and doom you know in his future it's still kind of uplifting which is a weird <laughs> which is, is it, a weird uh is it kind of a quest or like a like a quest for like meaning in his life that kind of thing i'm getting the sense of something like that a little bit or? i mean it yeah it definitely does the karate kid thing like all this time i thought it was painting when in actuality i was learning karate you know it's <laughs> it's a uh all, all this time i'm worried about my death and all this time i'm worried about finding this you know person so i can you know so i don't die oh on top of that uh one of the buddhists was like uh you're gonna die by saturday but try to live by Sunday. It's like, why is that? And it was like, well, if you live by Sunday, only you die. If you die by Saturday, nine of your friends are going to die. Too. Oh, <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> it's not, not a fair trade. Not a fair trade. Yeah. I but, thought weekends uh, were fun. They're not, this is not so fun. It's not a fun weekend. But yeah, it, it, it's uh, it, it, definitely the theme is he's uh, only has X amount of time to live. And he's spending that time panicking and freaking out when he should be uh enjoying the last moments of his life and okay. I, I that that's the main theme of it uh but it, it's real good and just don't be expecting a b horror movie because it is not at all that whatsoever <laughs> okay so if you're not okay so yeah even the poster looks sort of mysterious and interesting so so you would recommend this for if if the moviegoer is in for maybe a reflective meditative type of experience is that look if you dig Wong Kar Wai movies definitely check this out because this this will be right up your alley if you like a like kind of romance uh kind of off the you know oddball kind of romance stories this is definitely one the ending might piss some people off but I think Greg especially I think this ending would uh just really get your get get my goat yeah Yeah, does that mean a good thing 
I think so. I, okay, I think, then I think it, will, well, it will get all your goats. <laughs> did, 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 it, did it get your goat or were you satisfied with where it went at the end? I did because the ending ends on a such a subtle note. But it's one of those things like if you're just kind of half paying attention, you'll get to the ending and be like nothing happened. If you're paying attention, it's one of those things where someone does a little a little movement, says a little thing, but you've been paying attention. And that little thing has all the context in the world okay. means everything. Bruce Perky, did Eric Holmes just call me unsettled and I don't pay attention to the little things? And I, is it true? I, I, I wasn't listening. What was it? What was he saying? <laughs> <laughs> No, but this is an inter- in all fairness, Eric. Thank you for reviewing this. Looking for a lady with fangs and a mustache. You know what? It's weird. I'm glad that it's a subtle ending. It's, it should be interesting. The virtual live premiere and panel discussion is on April 8th. By the way, it's my mom's birthday on April 8th. It's hosted by the Rubin Museum of Art. Rubin is spelled R-U-B-I-N. And then this is, I'm trying to be what, I'm wondering what this is, but it's worldwide watch now at home cinema release on April 9th. I don't know what that means, but that is a tagline. I don't know what watch now. Is that a streaming service? I will, I will find that out. But the movie is called looking for lady for a lady with fangs and a mustache. And if you like Wong Kar Wai's movies, like in the mood for love, or like Eric Holmes says, chunking express, maybe you should go and check out this movie. By the way, it is executive produced by Olivia Harrison. Her late husband obviously is George Harrison. So that is looking for a lady with, what is it, Eric? Looking for a lady with fangs and a mustache. Is that it? Yep. Okay. So that is it. And then now we are off to doing the Oscar-nominated shorts. Bruce Perky, you've seen all of these. I'm going to let you spearhead this segment. Oh, gosh. Okay. (laughs) All right. In three, two. (laughs) (laughs) Just list them all. Well, I... Uh, I guess it was all spearheaded because I mentioned back, I don't know, a month ago or so, I had watched a movie on Slamdance, but I had got in late on Slamdance and I had watched a short and I had like a few minutes left before it was done. Like I, I, had, I, I got in there at like, I don't know, two hours until the end of this, the festival online. So I had enough time to get one more short in. It was Oscar, nominated for an Oscar. It's uh, opera and it's like a nine minute short. And I was really, I thought it was really cool, but I was like, I can't show this to anybody. And then I saw it was nominated for an Oscar. And I was like, oh, cool. I'm really excited now. That's one of the ones. And then uh, just this weekend, they made available for uh, rental and virtual cinemas. You can, uh, you can do each category, uh, animated, narrative, or live action, or you can get the whole block and get a discount for all of them, all the Oscar nominated shorts and i thought well this is really cool and then greg said hey let's let's, let's dive into this what I, 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 know, really... I, I said i actually said let's milk let's build the system and let's get all this for free because <laughs> we're not making money on this podcast let's let's scrimp our pennies together that's what i said but bruce so has, anyway bruce, is, <laughs> bruce has a more noble quest than i do so <laughs> so anyway i mean to me it's great because one thing that you think about you think about the oscars and films and you know they're you know acknowledging all these great works that you know you may or may not have seen but were accessible to everybody but really if you're looking for the independent filmmakers the filmmakers are just getting started the beginning of these visions that might become really impactful in the future in features you're going to find them in these shorts so it's really cool to go and get a highlight to some of these short films. So I don't know how you want to do this. Maybe pick a category. Well, we you know what? Talk about something. You know what, though? Before we start, you you mentioned opera. So let's not bury mm-hmm. the lead. You were really sure. intrigued by it. Or maybe and... we should bury the lead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what is that, Eric Holmes? My goodness. Opera. Yeah, Bruce, let's start. Were you, your appetite was whetted? You were interested in opera. Did opera live up to its expectations when you saw it? 
Yeah, well, this was a rewatch because I watched it. Oh, yeah, right. In yeah. Slam Dance. I did actually watch it and I watched it again. And I guess how to describe this short, uh, it's animated. It's in the animated category. And it's like this very ultra detailed, I don't know if you want to call it like a temple or a mosaic. And it's all these little figures doing different activities. And it's kind of like, I, I kind of describe it as like a clockwork miniaturized animated version of uh, society in the world at as writ large in like eight minutes. It almost requires you to try to focus on a section of it and you can't focus on all of it at once. So it's almost one of those things that makes you want to watch it again to focus on different things. Because you might look in one corner and there's little tiny figures uh, worshiping something. In another corner, little figures are burying a body and then the body's going down a tube that's going down into the bottom and becoming food for something. It's, it's, it's a really bizarre and interesting intricate uh work and it's kind of haunting and it's kind of creepy and it's kind of abstract i think it's i think it's fascinating and really cool fascinating really cool eric holmes opera i felt like i was watching a big video game i don't mean that in a pejorative i actually like watching the details behind opera i was saying what the heck is this movie but it's one of these things where you can watch it quite often and pick the corner of the short you want to see and just let your eyes train there it's it, it is very intricate i'll i will say that about opera eric holmes your thoughts yeah, this is uh this uh short redefines a wonder, I think. <laughs> uh because it's all one shot, you know, it starts at the top of the pyramid, works its way down, comes back out. It basically gives you if you Google opera animated short, you'll have the entire movie right there. You know, it's it's a freeze frame, but it shows you pretty much everything that happens and it's it's so so detailed but so focused at the same time which sounds like a contradiction and i guess it kind of is <laughs> this uh this thing was pretty freaking mind-blowing that's uh not hyperbole at all i don't think like bruce said there's a well okay so when i was in sixth grade uh we used to make these little uh we get a little piece of paper and just kind of make doodles and we do like a war scene of a bunch of stick figures. And we got the stick figures over here and stick figures over here. And, you know, we're going to draw a plane up here. And inside the plane, you see another stick figure. One stick figure is jumping down with the parachute. Another one opens and like pots and pans come. And down here, we got these stick figures and the stick figures uh, digging the trench. And then, you know, yeah. so depending on what area of the picture you see, there's like a little different story. So, I mean, that's the thing that's happened in like, uh, you know, comic books and stuff like that. But I've never seen it animated or presented this way as a short before. On top of that, it kind of like distills like society down to its basic elements. And then when it gets to the bottom and it does that whole whole thing at the bottom. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I, I, actually, the, the okay. So the one thing that wouldn't be a spoiler by looking at the picture on, on Google would be what happens at the bottom. So I'll just leave that just gone. But I don't think it's hyperbole to call this thing a masterpiece. And it just, it redefines what what it means to be a wonder. Like you get the wonder shot with the camera following. You know, we've seen that a million times and it's been impressive. Less so sometimes, very much so in others. I've never seen a wonder where it's just, it's, it's just, uh, you know, basically a camera locked in, zooming in, zooming out, but everything, all the information is there right at the beginning. Okay. And, and depending on where you're seeing that this thing was, that, that's why I said we should bury the lead because this is by far the best, <laughs> the best of all the shorts, I think. Oh, by okay. By far, by far. 
Bruce, you concur? Is it by, by far? What do you think? This is the only short that I've seen from this that might make my top list for the year so far. So, oh my goodness, my goodness, that is uh, both both Bruce and Eric high marks for opera. I liked it as well, but masterpiece. Those are very strong words. Both of them, I think, Bruce, you would call this a masterpiece as well. If you're saying that, I would. Yeah, uh, yeah, yes. Okay. Also, in the animation, there is there's another short called "If Anything Happens, I Love You." Bruce, you really enjoyed this as well. What did you love about "If Anything Happens"? "If Anything Happens, I Love You," directed by William Govier. And Will McCormick, Laura Dern is an executive producer. This no, this style is very different because I think the animation is is pretty. It's it's relatively accessible. It's um, you know, almost like a sketch, black and white drawings that are going between this husband and wife. And what's interesting is they have behind them through the whole time they'll have various shadows, and shadows will kind of be representing their emotional states. Uh, and pretty quickly discover that they're going through some sort of grief or some sort of tragedy something something's happened that's caused an upheaval in their relationship and and i can't really spoil exactly what happens but this is one of those that could easily veer into schmaltz and into overly sentimentality and it doesn't Uh, and i think it goes about a halfway point that uh, one of the characters walks into a room and a cat starts a record player i think it was i believe it's a record player yeah yeah and from that point on i mean uh, if it doesn't start you know, getting at your heartstrings a little bit. I, I think he, you might be uh, having some problems because it's it's pretty good. It's pretty um, emotionally devastating. It's 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 really really good. Eric, have you, did you see? Were you able to see this? If anything yeah. happens, I love you. And yeah. actually, this one's on Netflix. You can watch okay. this one on Netflix right now. I I like how they you know you talk in movies about like I love how they play with shadows. Well, this one they literally play with shadows. Um, <laughs> yeah. the, which the shadows of the the two characters tell the whole story pretty much, and then the reveal of the tragedy, and then the reveal even later on of how the tragedy occurred. Just that uh, just floored me. And yeah, <laughs> and and they do so much. I I loved it because I well, loved it. That sounds weird, <laughs> but uh, I I was I guess I'll say I was impressed with the way they did it uh, because they you know just what just again uh, like uh, looking for a lady with uh, fangs and a mustache. The end of that same deal with this that that reveal is just one shot and a sound, and you know exactly what. That's all you need. You know exactly what's happening. Yeah, this one was really good. And I don't want to say much more because let's say you can turn on Netflix right now or after you're done listening to this, if you can get to, and it's all right there and you make up your mind yourself. Yeah, this one gets high marks. High marks for if anything happens, I love you. It's 13 minutes. It again, like both of them, like both Bruce and Eric says it does. It's a very devastating short, but it is worth watching just for the artistry of it, the way they tell the story and the subtlety involved. So that is, we're done with the animation section. Let's go to documentary. Colette, Bruce Perky, you saw Colette. I just crammed in Colette before. Eric, you, you said you haven't seen Colette yet. It'll be worth your time. Bruce, what did you love about Colette? So Colette is one of those that's like, uh, uh, first of all, it's directed by Anthony Glaccino. It follows Colette Marin Catherine. She's like, what? how old is she in this? You watched it too. She's, it 80, she's 90. She's, in, she's 90. She's 90. Yeah. yeah. Colette and uh, a young woman, uh, Lucy, and they're in France. And uh, Lucy is like a historian. She works for the local, you know, the museum. A lot of it deals with the French resistance. And Colette's brother, back during World War II, when the French resistance was going on, he was taken away and killed in a concentration camp. And ever since that day, Colette has never 
gone to Germany. She's never gone to the camp. She just wasn't, she couldn't see any way to do that and why it would be useful to her. And kind of through her friendship with this historian, she decides to go back there. And this story is essentially following the two of them, which I think is really interesting. This seems like pretty stereotypical kind of Oscar short documentary kind of territory. But to me, there's a few things that made it really unique. One of them was some of the things Colette says about her family. She says a specific thing that her mother said to her oh, that's oh. is crushing. Yep. And there's some things that happen when she gets to Germany, which I thought was really interesting. There's a there's a, a meeting with some members of the town that's uh, really uh, impactful. And then, of course, once she gets to the camp, there's a whole sequence there that's pretty amazing. I just thought it was this kind of combination of this younger and older woman going and experiencing this together made it kind of a really unique experience and, and really affecting, but also just insightful about those people as well. You know, and Lucy, she says something towards the end about remembering the past, which really ties everything together. It's not a spoiler. This is a, this is, this is a 24 minute, in my opinion, must see it. And you know, Colette is such an interesting person. She is yes. vibrant. She's 90 years old. She'll speak her mind. She'll, she does not suffer fools. And I love those because, you know, yeah, she, she does. She'll say whatever's on her mind. And I, I like her as a person. And mm-hmm. I loved how Lucy and her, they, they really matched well within, obviously, this very tragic remembrance of things. So, well, and a perfect example, like that's the thing, that's the unpredictability, unpredictability of Colette that I think is what is one of the keys of this. And this isn't spoiling anything. Early on, I think as Lucy or somebody had asked her, you know, you were must have been really close with your brother. And she's like, oh, no, not really. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, what? <laughs> this whole thing's yeah. about going back to visit where he, where he died and he was taken away by the Nazis. And she's like, we weren't really that close. But that doesn't mean she still isn't impacted by it. And it's that kind of honesty and unpredictability and just real human uniqueness, which I think is kind of what sets this apart. Yes. And think something about Colette, you're like Bruce was saying, you might think think it's an obvious play for emotions because of the premise. But here's something you have to remember about Colette. What we're talking about, she is not one for sentimentality. So you get you get this road with the rubber meets the road moment yeah. where you have someone who does not want to say does not want that sentimental part. She's just she's just there to be there in you know just to i i suppose respect the wishes of lucy and she is fighting this against her will so what happens when the rubber meets the road and also of course the historical aspect of this concentration camp it is value added for that historical purpose as well so i actually crammed colette before we started recording this eric combs definitely you watch a ton of stuff i i think bruce bruce and i we recommend this for eric and everyone else yes goes goes yeah go see colette yeah i Yes, like you said, like you said, Bruce, directed and written by Anthony Giacchino, must see, really powerful film. Okay, so I did not see Do Not Split. I don't know if you saw that, Eric, but that's also on your list, Bruce. What is it about? Do yeah, not Do Not Split. I don't have to go into a lot of detail. Um, Colette was definitely my favorite of all of them, although there's a lot of solid ones. Pretty much everything in this whole short thing is, is good. But um, Do Not Split is kind of on the ground, 2019. Uh, the really huge uprising and riots and stand-ins and clashes with the Chinese, you know, run police in Hong Kong. And a lot of students has a lot of parallels to some of the stuff going on in America, of course. But of course, in China, well, in Hong Kong, because China's trying to crack it down, it, it gets a little more intense. And the access they have is really good because they're right there on the ground with these people with 
you know, the Molotov cocktails and the police coming in. And it's, it's got some really interesting and intense footage and will give you insight into something you may not have known. It's really good. And uh, it was funny. I was listening to a couple things about, so strangely about Kong, you know, Godzilla versus Kong. And uh, there's kind of a little conspiracy theory that the finale takes place in Hong Kong because China had a big part in backing uh, and getting the initial release of that big budget movie and that they wanted to make sure that Hong Kong got destroyed. So if you want to get down (laughs) conspiracy theories, it would not be totally unlikely that that might have happened. So anyway, but this is a really good... A really good short. Speaking of shorts, Eric, anything within the documentary that caught your eye that you saw that you enjoyed, you would recommend? I, I saw two of them and they weren't bad. Uh, what, what was the uh, concerto in conversation? What, what was that one called? A concerto is a conversation. Yeah, that, I mean, the, you know, the, it was fine. And the uh, letter, I uh, forget the name of the other one too. A love letter. song for La- Latasha. Yeah. Uh, that that one was kind of sad, but I didn't really get didn't really get a whole lot out of those like I did with opera or whatever happens next. I love you, or even a lot of the uh, live action ones, which we'll get to. The, yeah, I, I just watched those two documentaries and they were good. They just didn't resonate with me like a lot of the uh, ones I saw before. I want to give one huge fuck you to opera because that was the first one I seen. So pretty much everything else just paled in comparison. It <laughs> was kind of my fault. I kind of piped it pretty high. So yeah. Well, you weren't wrong. On a personal level, before we get to your final pick for the documentary, Bruce, my I'm gonna rebut on that. My personal favorite out of well, actually, it's not among the documentaries. This is this is a I definitely do recommend a concerto is a conversation. It's a real pleasure to welcome Chris Powers, our composer. I'm very aware of the fact that I'm a black composer. I've been wondering whether or not I'm supposed to have gotten to the point that I've gotten to. Well, never think that you're not supposed to be there because you wouldn't be there if you wasn't supposed to be there. Goes back to slavery. The reason why I love this film so much, it feels like I'm watching my own family and I was blown away by it. Growing up in the South, I knew when I got of age, I was going to leave there. Los Angeles, California. That's where I want to go. There's an intimacy to this exchange within the sphere of black masculinity that is so rare to see. I think it's a bomb for these times. People are constantly throwing up things to stop you in life. But you've got to know you cannot stop me. And the winner is Chris Bowers. Green book. Can you tell me just what is concerto? <laughs> you did it, you did it, you did it. <laughs> he surprised you. <laughs> Executive produced by Ava DuVernay, directed by Chris Bowers and Ben Proudfoot, written by Ben Proudfoot, stars Horace Brown Sr., Chris Bowers, and it also credits Julia Roberts in the short, and she's in it for just one second. Bruce, you saw the short as well. You saw everything, right? So the reason yes, why, I I, yeah, the reason why I love a concerto is a conversation. Bruce, you always mention about Seattle, certain sections of remembrances or, or film locations. This short film is shot in specifically in Walt Disney Concert Hall, a venue in downtown LA, which I have a very personally close connection to, because when I lived in downtown Los Angeles, this would be my place to hang out. My apartment was right across the street, and I would go and see concerts in the Disney Concert Hall. So I, this one is more of a biased love for 
the short of downtown LA and Los Angeles. And I love the way that they interplayed the idea about the concerto, which is the concerto Mm -hmm. is the composer or the musician having a conversation with the orchestra. And this is where the concerto is a conversation. You have the conversation between the jazz pianist, Chris, Chris Bowers. He's also, he's also an acclaimed sound composer of movies as well. He composed a score to Green Book. So he's a film composer, jazz pianist, Chris Bowers. And he rem- he asked his grandfather to just talk about his life, Horace Bowers Sr. And the way they discussed their conversation is interestingly shot because you don't have them sitting at a table and they're having a conversation like that. It's more of a cut to close-up, cut to close-up, cut to close-up. It might work for some, totally work for me. Eric Holmes, what? I, I completely forgot about that until you mentioned that. Yeah, I remember watching that go, well, Greg's going to love this because he loves close-ups. I love close-ups. <laughs> close-ups. Close-ups is the most, it, it, yeah, that's, that's a, for that, for me, that's a money shot. Close-ups. I love close-ups. I love push-ins. So I really loved it. I, and you get to really understand where Horace Bowers Sr. came from growing up in Jim Crow, Florida, what he had to endure, eventually moving to Detroit, eventually coming to LA. And then now he's you know, just fine, just creating that, that dry cleaner place over in South Central. It, it's, this is a really great LA, Los Angeles piece, short, but I think if you can extrapolate it, you get to really see two, several generations of Americans as they try to make it. I wanted to see the feature of his life is what I wanted to see <laughs> of yeah, the older no, guy's his, life, you know? Yeah. I, I liked, I, no, I was interested in both their lives. I think this was, you know, and also it's interesting, Chris Bowers, he's, he co-directed it He's a talented musician. It'll be interesting to see. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe he might do something on his grandfather's life. His grandfather is very, very interesting. And in yeah. fairness, it's really his grandfather's, even though it says a concerto is a conversation, the conversation is really spearheaded by his grandfather, Horace Bauer Sr., who's very fascinating, fascinating. And obviously struggles he went through in Florida, you know, just during his time was interesting. And then to see even his grandson, Chris Bowers, admitting as an African-American being a, a musician was very tough because he was sort of, it was pretty much a, a lonely place for him for a while. So I think both stories could be extrapolated as well into, into some kind of, some kind of a movie. Yeah. I mean, interestingly enough, that movie, the soloist starring Jamie Foxx and Robert Downey Jr. That was a mm. Walt Disney concert hall kind of, kind of film. This one to me, in fairness to that movie, this was m- more interesting. A concerto is a conversation. I, 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 my only, I, this is a nice complaint. I wish, we had more, I want more, more story behind Horace Bowers Sr. and Chris Bowers. Really, really loved a concerto as a conversation. So that's it. That is my thing. And Hunger Ward. Hunger Ward. Well, first of all, Hunger Ward is going to be really, really rough for a lot of people. So go in with a big, giant red warning on it before you venture forth, because it's about Yemen. If you know anything about what's been going on in Yemen, it's being basically starved out as a country. It's being bombed uh saudi arabia has had a siege on it for years and uh, it's got one i think per capita it's got one of the highest child uh starvation rates in the world and what it is is it basically focuses on a couple doctors in pediatric uh, malnutrition wards in yemen so it's very rough but it's 
very good and frustrating and angering and saddening. And, um, you know, if you can't handle, well, I mean, no one can handle it, but if you really, really can't handle seeing um, death of children, this is not, not anywhere you want to go near, but if you can, if you can stomach it and get in there and, and watch it, it's pretty affecting. And part of it is just the way the documentarian wrote it down, Scott Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald, the way that some of the scenes are shot are very brave. Some people might even be angered by it because she's right there. And you kind of wonder when you're watching it, you know, does the family have permission? I mean, you know, what happened? What's that conversation look like when you're filming someone's child die? And then she does some very interesting things where something like that will occur. And then she doesn't, she stays in the room for a bit, but then she leaves the room while the anguish is still occurring and starts walking across the hall or walking down the hall. It's really haunting and really sad. And it's really, I guess it angering because you know that this doesn't have to occur and you'll see other, and you'll follow other people, you know, children come in and of course hope the best for them. You know, you'll see a child come in that looks like she's about, I don't know, four or five. And they'll say she's 10 and you're like, holy crap. So yeah, it's, if you can bear it, it's a good watch, but uh, you have to be, you have to be ready for that. Fair enough. If you're not, are, are you ready for that hunger ward right after we stop recording? Are you going to watch it? What do you think? You know, maybe just so long as I watch burrow afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You need something like that. Really light. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know, to be honest, hunger ward obviously is critically acclaimed, but I, I don't, I, oh. after what you just said, you just warned me not to see this. I, I don't think I could, I have this, this fortitude to watch Eric Holmes. Uh, these are Oscar shorts, so technically they're all critically. Acclaimed. Yeah, you're right. That's true. That's true. That's true. They're, yeah. Correction. Yeah, I thought they meant Oscar the person, not the, not the award. So again, I'm, <laughs> again, I'm corrected by Eric Holmes. Well, these are track. Oscar shorts. <laughs> yeah. These are Oscar shorts, folks. So that's Hunger Award. It is. Yeah, it's part of that shorts TV package. I see it here on IMDb Plus. It says if you have Paramount Plus, it's also available there, possibly. So that's Hunger Award. Bruce Perky live action air combs did you see white eye white eye no you did not see white eye i don't know which which one was that white, white eye is good. the one here's the thing. okay a man finds his stolen bicycle which mm-hmm. oh yes yes i did to a stranger right while attempting to retrieve it he struggles to remain human that that is a plot summary it's written and directed <laughs> by tomer shushan and it is i think shot in tel aviv is you know where it's, i think it's shot in tel aviv and it is i'm not Eric Holmes was talking about oneers. I'm yes. not as technically proficient as Eric or Bruce when it comes to all the technical sides of filmmaking, but this felt almost like a a oneer on a very oh, it was. yeah 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 on a on a very superficial level. You can just see this for that. So go. You don't even I, I, the plot summary. You don't even worry what I just said about that about a stolen bicycle and the man and everything. Just go watch it because it's a oneer. But the the world building in this movie within, mm-hmm. I don't know how many minutes this is you 20 minutes. Yeah. 20 minutes. It's a short, but like Bruce, it obviously he, he loves shorts so much. And I think probably I'm going to put words in your mouth, Bruce within the great things. Sometimes a great short, what a great short can do potentially is within minutes, they can re- literally build an entire universe and world and just floor yep. you in such a short time. Okay. Literally. Yes. So. I was gonna say what's really cool is what it does because it takes such a simple concept, you know, like this guy finds his stolen quote stolen bike locked up outside of a building. And he's like, this is my bike. This is my bike. Let's cut off the lock. Give me my bike back. Pretty basic concept. 
And it just takes that idea and says, you never know the butterfly effect. You never know the ripple effect that one act and especially one, you know, standing your ground and sticking your foot and saying, I'm not budging. You never know what that actually can change and affect around you. And it's really interesting how it does that. You know, that that's so interesting that you mentioned that the main character is Omer, O-M-E-R, played by Daniel Gad. At the beginning of the movie, you're thinking, Omer, look, someone stole his bike. It's locked. And then there's, poli- there's police, policemen. They, sa- they say he cannot actually break the lock and get his bike, even though the bike is supposedly his because of the ID and everything. The fact that he hasn't filed a report yet makes you think that this movie white eye is all about bureaucracy the just how ridiculous things are but then without giving too much away everything is flipped on its head and i think this is a very layered drama when you really start unpacking things eric what did you love about white eye well first of all you said daniel daniel gad yeah any relation to josh gad no i don't think okay, so just, I, don't, just I, I, don't, sure. I don't think so no no this oh well first of all especially uh with the live action shorts there's there's a huge theme huge anti-authoritarian theme we'll say basically against cops and so this was one of the last ones i seen so i'm noticing that the cops in this and then what they do and what they don't do and then I started thinking, do cops ever help people when, like, can they just help someone and then that's it? Like, you have a problem, I will help you and then move on. Or do they have to have, a, like, okay, I will help you so long as I can imprison someone or hurt someone in the process. And if I happen to help you, great. If not, then that's not what I'm here for. Well, uh, because, and not to give anything away, but the cops never help him out with his bike. They've never cared about his bike. They never gave given a shit. They only come there to hurt. You know, the only time the cops show up is to hurt someone. And I, I guess, I guess I'll leave that rant there. But uh, yeah, th- this was a really good one. And as far as a oneer, back to uh, opera again. This is an example of a great oneer. Mm-hmm. And then, so when I say that opera like redefines what a oneer can be. I'm comparing it to something almost exactly like this short because the short was uh, on a technical level. Yeah. The way they shot it was fantastic. Yeah, I, I loved it. And it really, uh, and of course, uh, the cop stuff got my blood going too. But uh, uh, the, yeah. and the story, the story's great because mm-hmm. you think, you think you know what's going on. And then you hear a little more information and you find out, oh, okay, no, that, that makes sense. And then you hear a little more. Infer- oh, okay. Wait, no. Okay. Yeah. That, you know, not that they're big twists, but you know, it's just, you just get a little more information and you're understanding a person that you had, uh, you know, preconceived notions about. And, and that's great way, about this as well. Bruce, before we well, get to you, by the way, great ending. Just, just going to leave it yes, at that. Great, I was going to say that. Oh, the okay. great. This is probably the best final shot of all these shorts. I think <laughs> yes. um, it is perfection. And I wanted to mention one other thing talking about world building and all that. So essentially you think about like um, rear window when there's that shot where you just see all the apartments and you find out all the things that are going on in the apartments. And, you know, we've seen oneers and a lot of action role, you know, roles will have like a oneer sequence. This is basically the idea of like a building. You have a building, which is kind of a block of its own. And you just go in and around that building and that's, and, and look from that building at the scenery around it. And that's all you do in this. You see 
the streets and that building. Yeah. And I want to mention a couple of things that talk about really great filmmaking uh, without spoiling anything. There's one sequence where he goes through the building early on and he's looking in doors for something. Yeah. And there's a sequence later on that parallels that when he goes back through the building and he looks through a door and he sees things and it has an entirely different context. My goodness, and yes. it's so good. And this wasn't, I don't, this, I mean, I, I would say of all the categories, this, this category, I think was the most universally close. Like it might not have had my favorite of all of all the shorts, but all these shorts, a lot of these shorts were like pretty good. So, and, and pretty, pretty much in line. So, and like, and like Eric says, once again, before we, we'll talk a little more, but I think what he's kind of getting at too, is that the idea that police officers, there's this pull between law and order and rules and following rules. And then a point where you can also just be a human. And in a yeah. lot of these, there's points where you could be a human and maybe not follow the rule of the letter of the law, but be doing the right thing. And that's a big conflict in a lot of these. I would say it's not so much about following the rule of law, but the cops are there. My bike is stolen. I want it back. Well, here's your bike. Can you prove it's yours? Yes, I can. Here's pictures of me with the bike. Well, it's like, that's not enough. I have more at home. Let's just get my bike and go there and I will show it to you. And the cops should say, well, yes, let's follow this through to their natural conclusion and figure out whether this is his bike or not. They don't want to do that. They want to arrest someone. They want to put someone in jail. They want to beat someone up. They want to deport someone. They want to hurt someone. They're they're not concerned about what they're there for. They are there to help him find his bike and get his bike back. And they want to do everything but that just so they can hurt someone. Right. And I think we're saying the same thing, basically. What I'm saying is that they probably have some little tiny bylaw that tells them, like, you're not allowed to release possible stolen property without a proof of purchase or something stupid like that. Right. And Whereas as just being a human being, they can see like, obviously this is this guy's bike. Let's just go and make sure and we'll be good. But yeah. that means they have to be flexible and reasonable and yeah. like human. <laughs> so, but, but why would they, we can't just have, we can't just have you get your bike back. We gotta, right. we gotta crush some skulls. We gotta throw someone in jail. Otherwise what the yeah. fuck are we doing here? But exactly. yeah, there, there's more of that to come. Speaking of more to come, White Eye, again, directed and written by Tomer Shushan. If I was a producer or if I had some kind of distribution deal with oodles of cash, whatever, I would give Tomer Shushan a call and say, hey, you know, years ago, there was this Joe Carnahan film called Narc starring Jason Patrick and Ray Liotta. Can you, well, we'll give you X amount of dollars to shoot this gritty crime thriller with a social message and really good thematic. Here, do it for us because this guy is very talented. I can't wait to see what he does next. I can't. I hope he he does a feature very, 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 very soon. So that is White Eye. Strong recommend from all of us, right? Okay, strong recommend. So the present, I have not seen the present. You guys have seen the present, Eric Holmes. You've seen you, Eric. You saw the present. Yeah. Okay. Um. I don't know. I'm clueless on the present. What is the pre- tell us about the present, Eric? Did it stick with you? Um. This one, I of all of them. I think this one was the weakest for me. And keep in mind, when I say the weakest, even when I was talking about the uh, the documentary, I'm talking about like, oh, this isn't a 10. This is just a 9.5. So <laughs> let's let's, uh, let's define terms here. But uh, this one, I think, is strongest at the end. And again, it has another problems with the authority thing. 
a guy gets a uh, this movie kind of just hinges towards the end like all the setups whatever but it's the end they got this uh gift or present it's a uh the, just a large refrigerator and they have to go through this walkway but the refrigerator doesn't fit through the walkway well there's a street right there and we're only talking about 20 feet let me just bring the refrigerator out there they're like no you can't do that Hello? and they escalate the situation until they're bringing out guns over a fucking refrigerator <laughs> <laughs> and uh i mean that i don't know that i should say much more than that but i mean that there's not much to the story it's it, it's pretty cut and dry it's very effective but uh, for me, this the only reason I say this is the weakest one is because I think it's not until the very end where it really kind of gets to the point and uh, hits the hardest. Well, you know what? I'm uh, looking at the the plot line. It's on Netflix as well. I am a little bit uh, I'm a little bit disappointed in myself that I missed this. It's an interesting premise, Bruce. Your take on this, does it execute on, deliver on what this premise? Yes, I think it does. Mm-hmm. And I think, honestly, we were talking about wide eye and the present would be a really, it's a really good double feature of shorts because similar issues and themes, but the present is Palestine and it's Palestinians having to go across the checkpoints. Like every day they have to go across the checkpoint. And that's kind of the, the crux of the um, tension. The present, I was going to say is it's really, it's a good like pairing, a short pairing if you want to do with white eye, because white eye, like you talked about Israel and the whole idea with police and, and kind of justice and a lot of stuff going on there. The present is Palestine, but it's talking about, you know, going across those checkpoints to go to work or to go shop or to go all kinds of things. You have to go through the checkpoints. And that's kind of what Eric was getting at. I, I liked it a little bit better than Eric did, but once again, we're, we're nitpicking like, you know, A to A minus, you know, whether it's an A or A minus for you. I thought the early parts, which was a lot about him with his daughter going to go shopping. And I thought that the, the setup going through the checkpoint, going into shop was really key because here's this guy. He just wants them to treat him like a normal human being going shopping. And he's there with his daughter. And that's really really escalating it in his mind because he's like you're doing this in front of my daughter to me i don't care if you do this to me you humiliate me and you make me go through all these hoops but now my daughter has to watch this and be part of this uh, i think it's it's really good uh, i think the i think wide eye and the other one i was going to talk about is a little bit better but once again it's 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 a really good watch okay so that is the present and finally our last short that we're highlighting from bruce's picks is two distant strangers and here is a plot line in Two Distant Strangers, cartoonist Carter James's repeated attempts to get home to his dog are thwarted by a recurring deadly encounter that forces him to relive the same awful day over and over again. I met this girl last night, ended up at her place, and, and you know, <laughs> keep being a good boy for Papa, okay? I'll be home soon, I promise. Too late to cry. You got a problem here. Get off of me, man! Get off of me! Oh, God! This whole moment just feels like deja vu or something. Whoa, careful, man. It's a new shirt. Hey! Hundred times? 
myself, are you? What now? You just let them keep killing you forever? I don't know. One way or another, I'm getting home to my dog. Eric Holmes, I heard you. What you got? Yeah, uh, this is uh, this is more cops are bad, and it's not wrong. <laughs> it's not wrong. <laughs> it uh, it starts off as uh, a, a a guy wakes up, and him and the uh, the woman he had a uh, you know slept with the night before. They're clearly a new couple or a budding couple, and uh, you know they kind of have uh, it's got a uh, uh, Malcolm and Marie kind of vibe to it, minus the we hate each other bits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not right. those bits yeah yeah but uh they're, they're kind of you know just a new couple you know having a good conversation everything it's, it kind of uh, has a tone of uh sort of a romantic comedy sort of thing and it's like well i'm gonna leave and he goes outside accidentally bumps into a guy drops a roll of cash lights up a cigarette and then a cop shows up it's like what's going on here you know just uh, just right in there I'm I'm only here to escalate the situation, not to protect and serve, which is what I'm supposed to do. I'm here to end your life. He doesn't say that, but in his mind, that's what he's thinking. And I'm not wrong because of twists that I can't get into. <laughs> but uh, basically, the cop ends up uh, uh, crushing him to death. He can't breathe. He can't breathe. And then he dies and wakes up. And now we're in another Groundhog movie, which we've seen about a million of them this year. <laughs> Yeah. Oddly enough, they've all been good. So yeah. I, guess, <laughs> I guess keep making them. Yeah, this um, one's good. This one's very good. This one's very good. And then, uh, yeah, uh, uh, he keeps doing the same thing. And that same cop just keeps killing him no matter what, no matter what. I don't want to give away the the end, but I do want to mention the end credits uh, because I think it's very important. And the theme of this is obviously the uh, people that were uh, murdered. Uh, not killed, not accidentally uh, dispatched, but we'll just say murdered by uh, police brutality. And then they list the names, and then next to the name they say what they were doing as the police murdered them. You know, yeah. walking home. I, you know, so and so was asleep. So and so was cooking dinner. So and so was going to the movies. You know, all these things that deserve a death sentence. Clearly, if you're walking home, why wouldn't I kill you? Because that's what you deserve, right? not at all but yeah. i mean and i think with the uh what i love about this one is that the uh the groundhog day effect is almost it's it's almost like it's not the same person like thematically he's not the same person waking up and reliving it he's a different person just going about his normal day and dies for no reason and then the next day it's he's, he's uh you know thematically someone else doing something else on top of that, no matter what he does, and it, it speaks to the argument of, uh, well, if if so-and-so just didn't do this or that, or if so-and-so just did this, then if so-and-so would have listened, if so-and-so wouldn't have done this, mm. then they would have been fine. And clearly the answer this movie is giving is, it didn't matter what the fuck I did, this fucker was going to kill me anyway. And that, I mean, that that's the short in a nutshell. And I think this theme... This scene drove it as hard as you could possibly could. And I think a lot of people need to see this. And I know a couple of people personally that I wish would shut the fuck up a lot of the times that we should probably see this. But uh, yeah, this one's very, very good. I love this one. I love this one as well. My only complaint is um, I wish they gave a little bit more of a sympathetic ear to the cop. 
Bruce, I was kidding. I was joking. I was joking, Eric. Was you joking. son of a bitch. <laughs> okay, but by the way, the cop is played by Andrew Howard, and he is very good as the cop. Yep. The cop is not very good. Cop is pretty evil. That's not a spoiler. Okay, but and Carter, we have to say Carter is is Joey Badass. Yeah. And I, I haven't seen Mr. Robot. He's a hip-hop artist. He, people know him in the music industry. I'm an old man. I'm an old school hip hop guy. So I I only started listening to Joey Badass's Badass's music after on Spotify after watching this. He really convinced me as an actor as well. Really loved his portrayal as Carter in this. Bruce, take it away. Yeah, I I agree with everything that both you said. What I thought was really interesting about this, it wears its heart on its sleeve. You know what this is about from the very first time he gets you know, choked out. It's like, okay, we're right in this territory that's literally 24-7 on the news right now with the trial of the officer that murdered George Floyd. But what I thought was really interesting about this, so you'd have the thing that uh, Eric talked about, which is like that kind of inevitability, like the, no matter what action he takes, the same thing's going to happen to him. But also what's something strange about this, I don't know if you guys have got this, because the whole Groundhog Day format, I guess we can call it now, or or subgenre, I guess is what it is now, yeah. is automatically somewhat humorous. And that's what gives this a really interesting clash of tones, because it's sort of light in a strange way it's sort of light-hearted almost on purpose to pull the rug out from under you again and again and again it almost will like keep trying to like you know like oh well this it's like okay we'll just talk to the guy you know they, his friends say like how many times has it been 100 or 99 or 50 or whatever it is it's like it, it wants to keep giving you hope and keep showing you this uh you know how this guy's a normal guy and then it happens to him and it happens to him again it happens to him again i i thought this was really really good and a lot deeper than some might take it some might say oh so obvious we we get it i think this got a lot of really cool deep stuff going on in it and i well yeah and i eric's shaking his head because a lot of people don't get it obviously but um if they got it cops wouldn't be murdering people but go on yeah and i i love this one and as much as i love the other ones um, this is one of the people if i can i'm gonna get an interview with this the director of this directors of this one because this is cool i i also want to point out the the detail in in this one not quite as detailed as opera because we keep bringing up opera but like you have the overhead shot where you see like the names of all the uh victims on the top of the you know yeah. like the george floyd one's real prominent but there's other like you know smaller nods to that uh at one point where uh the main character dies not a spoiler he dies like a hundred times in this literally but at one point he like dies and he lays down and his blood puddle goes to the shape of africa shape africa yeah and, that was awesome and, and i, love that I mean they have they have stuff like that which is kind of obvious but still kind of cool and then they have other like you look in the background and you just notice like little tiny details and stuff and for <laughs> i don't know if this was the the director trolling but Bruce Hornsby is very prominent in this movie. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Of course. good. We, we, we totally I'm, missed that. Good job. Good I'm job. wondering totally if he's inviting the people that really need to see this into the short. <laughs> yes, I think you're right because I thought idea like Bruce Hornsby is just like this like white bread sentimentality and like I get it. I'm I'm with it, yeah. man. <laughs> and and it starts off as a romance. Like it doesn't start off as a police brutality thing at all it's it's completely um mold happily we talk about happily it's yeah. happily starts off as one movie and ends as completely this one does the same thing it brings you in it's like hey you know hey black people can fall in love too you want to come in hey you like bruce hornsby come on 
let's listen to Bruce Hornsby, blah, blah, blah. You're not racist. And then the cop kills it. And it's like, oh, no, yeah, yeah, I guess I got to look this shit in the face because this is not good at all. I can't talk myself out of this one. (laughs) One last quick comment. Would this be one of the best slow claps in a long time? You know, I didn't think of it, but... Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Very good slow, ca- slow yeah. clap. Very good slow clap. Yes, that is a part yeah. that we're not going to mention. It. There is a big, a very interesting slow clap. Slow clap in two distant strangers. Also, props goes to that said. Very good. Very good pull, Eric Holmes, on the the way it is from Bruce Hornsby. Let's not forget Bruce Hornsby and the range. We can't forget and the range. But I'm assuming props to Bruce Bruce Hornsby for probably giving the song for pretty much a song, right? Um, hopefully he gave a very, either for free or for a very cut rate discount for two distant strangers, because obviously we all know shorts, they're not, they don't have an elaborate budget. It's a very well-placed song and very, you know what? It really adds to the overall fabric of the short. High recommendation from all three of us guys for two distant strangers. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, my goodness. Also, it has so many tones at the end of this. I have to say, I'm, I am so, I, I am warning you. It'll, it'll easily, it'll make you frustrated. It's, it's a, it's an enlivening, inspiring on a filmmaking level, storytelling level watch, but it is very, it'll, it'll uh, get your blood boiling. I don't even know if we should go over it or if it's just completely obvious, but do, do you want to do the, uh, since this, these are the Oscar nominated shorts, do you want to go with the uh, who's going to win, who should win sort of things on these? Or I'm horrible at that. You guys can do that. Yeah. Do you, Bruce, you want to say what's going to win? I'm I'm assuming it's going to be Hunger Ward, right? Uh, it could be Colette. I mean, that's kind of a favorite too. I could see Colette, but yeah. It might be Hunger Ward. And then I think for animation, even though it's a masterpiece uh, from opera is a masterpiece, I think if anything happens, I love you. I think that's going to get it. That, that's I a mean, little more universal. Yeah. yeah I, I, I was thinking that that would, that would be the, if anything happens, I love you is going to win. Opera is the one that should win, but they're both fantastic. And, and, and with, and then with the live action, it would be the, the one we we're just talking about, or yeah, the, uh, the, we didn't talk about it, but the Oscar Isaac one. Yeah, um, that could. I, I bet you Two Distant Strangers wins. I I, I yeah. can't see. Uh, it's really good, and it just is so of the time. I I can't imagine it doesn't win. Yeah, the problem with the not the problem the uh, <laughs> the good thing about the live action ones is I think of the of the three the live action ones are the the closest ones. Like Bruce said earlier, that not the doesn't have the best one, but all of them are really solid. Yep. All of them are really solid. Okay. So that is our Oscar shorts, man. I, that is a lot of good stuff. And now we're going to our recommendations. Let's start with Eric Holmes. Something wicked this way comes. It's a, it's a movie I still haven't seen. I, I forgot what year it was released. I remember Ebert Siskel and Ebert reviewed it. And I said, this movie looks scary. I don't think I want to read the Ray Bradbury book or watch the movie. Was I wrong, Eric? Have oh. I missed a really great film? Yes, it is uh, very good. Uh, I got I got so into the shorts. I'm like, oh yeah, we got to talk about the regular movies. <laughs> so this one came out in 1983, directed by Jack Clayton, and let's see, written by Ray Bradbury, both the novel and the screenplay. It's got a uh, Jason Robards and uh, Jonathan Price who plays uh, Mr. Doc. <laughs> There's a 
Okay, so basically there's a uh, carnival that runs in, that comes into town and everyone's excited about, you know, little, you know, it's not a Stephen King movie, but it's got that kind of Stephen King flavor to it. A small town Stephen King type, you know, place, but Ray Bradbury, you get the idea. Anyway, the uh, circus comes into town and everyone's all excited because, you know, this is back in the olden days where everyone is uh, excited by circuses, I guess. These two kids, uh, they go and they find uh, the carousels covered up and they go inside and they're looking, oh, wow, it's a carousel. And they're, they're, you know, it's not working. That's why it's covered up. But then Mr. Dark comes in. It's like, you kids should not be here. And Jonathan Price is just fucking creepy as shit. I'm hoping I get his name right. I'm pretty sure that's who it is. But uh, definitely not Jason Robards. But uh, he's like, you kids need to get out of here. But maybe come back later on tonight and I will show you the carousel. And they're like, oh, sweet gee, thanks, Mr. Dark. And then <laughs> they go running off. And then they hear something, they go back and they look inside. And uh Mr. Dark's little henchman sits on the carousel. And Mr. Dark turns it around, the carousel goes backwards, and the guy's getting younger and younger and younger. So he's about the same age as the two kids. Come to find out that a lot of the uh, adults, pretty much all the people in the town are kind of taken by this Mr. Dark and this and this uh, carnival, probably more than they should be. And you find out that uh, Mr. Dark's basically, you know, given the adults in town, basically a fountain of youth. And uh, the kids are like, there's there's something afoot here. And Jason Robards <laughs> comes in. And it's like, don't worry, kids. I'll be in Magnolia in a couple of years. I'll help you out. And then they, they, uh, they join forces and uh, try to uh, attack Mr. Dark. This is like uh, we, we've mentioned before. This is a spooky movie, but it, but it's a pretty good one. Uh, Pamela Greer makes an appearance as this uh, little witch, the witch thing. A bunch of great lines in here. It, I cannot remember because I got bad brains. But yeah, th- this is uh, the worst thing about this movie is that the ending goes a little quick. So it, it does a great job setting everything up. And then when it gets to the climax, bam, climax is over. And then the I kind of wish they would have extended the climax a little bit. Uh, but otherwise, this is a, this is a really I, fantastic I get that. movie. I get that too. <laughs> but you do. So Yeah, the kids, uh, you know, they got that kind of, uh, they're not quite as good as like the kids in Stand By Me, for example. They're a little one note, but... Jason Robards is really good. Pamela Greer is creepy. You know, Jonathan Price is probably one of the one of the best on-screen villains that no one ever talks about. He's he's so good in this, but you know, it's just completely underrated. And it's actually kind of sad that it took me forever to find this DVD, and most people listening can't watch it unless yeah. you blah blah blah. But yeah. Unless we'll you buy it on DVD or or uh, or get it from Eric Holmes, email yeah. Eric Holmes at hamslime at gmail.com to get it. No, wait, make sure as as you're listening to this, by, by the time you listen to this, Eric Holmes will post up something on Facebook and then you have to comment below on whatever, whatever the there, question is. Just comment, there, talk. Yes. There's, there's a scene in this that I absolutely love. It's kind of, kind of not quite towards the end, but kind of getting there where uh, Mr. Dark, well, first of all, he's like uh but when he first meets Jason Robards and he's looking for the kids, he's like, have you seen these children? He's like, what's your name? It's like, my name's Mr. Doc and I'm looking for some children. <laughs> As if it was like, hey, I'm looking for a five-year-old. What's your name? My name is Evil McMurderpants. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. But uh, the, there's a scene where um, 
that so uh, Jason Robards is supposed to meet the kids in this uh, in this library. And Mr. Dark, he knows the kids are nearby, but he didn't know where. And wants Jason Robards to tell him, and he offers him uh, youth. Wouldn't you like to be thirty years old again? Oh yes, you would. The you know the blah 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 of youth. And he, say, he says it much better than I am. But he's got this book. He's like thirty off the table, and he throw like every time he pulls a page out, like lights up, and he just throws it on the ground. He's like thirty one. You could be 31. Not any longer. Where are the children? You could be 32 years old. 32, you know, he's starting to blah, blah, blah. Not any longer. 33, 34. Where are the And the, the, there's this whole scene where he's like doing that. I was like, oh, it's so good. It's so good. But yeah, the, the, there's some cheese in this, but it definitely holds up. And if you don't, uh, if you don't win the thing where I send you the movie, seek it out if you can. Hopefully, maybe one day they'll put it on Disney Plus where it should be right now. But it's not because fuck Disney, I guess. Okay, after I was I was gonna actually put put in like a little call Disney up saying maybe we should we should start getting links. I'm gonna yeah, do that instead. Fuck <laughs> Disney. Do that. No, I'm just kidding. No, he he means Disney plus he Disney he means that with affection. With he means make love to Disney. Make yes, love to Disney. yes. That's what he's yes. trying to say. Affection. That was his positive sexual Disney affection. Window. You won't put it on? Fuck you, 32. <laughs> <laughs> See, he was, just, he was just talking about the movie. Something, that is something wicked this way comes. Again, Eric Holmes, he's doing this whole really cool DVD chain thing. Hit him up on this, on our, on our Find Your Film Facebook. And, you know, I'm going to interrupt Bruce Parkey before he gets to his own recommendation because something wicked this way comes i know bruce is going to say this it's directed by jack clayton and bruce and i will ultimately force eric holmes one day to watch the 1961 movie the innocence directed by jack clayton starring deborah kerr Carr, and it's it's so good and so it's good. and it's it's written by this i think this author named henry james <laughs> <laughs> the movie is based on the story the turn of the screw Yes, yes, The Innocence 1961 scares the living crap out of me just thinking about this movie. Yes, Eric Holmes, we got it. You got to find it. Go The Innocence, go to Just Watch. Please see it. Do a rewind on it. Not next week, maybe whenever you want it because that's a classic. So, Bruce, what is your recommendation? Well, other other than my box one, the only other thing I have is my rewind. You want me to rewind one real quick? I yeah. I really fast. Oh, Covatis Aida. Yeah, Eric Holmes. Went. Eric Holmes loved it. I'll just do that really do that really quick, and then I'll get to the box after bet, yeah. you talk about yours. Um, I did quote Vadas Aida from 2020, uh, Rental, it's directed by uh, Yasmila. Oh my God, Zbanik? Zbanik? I did it about as badly. <laughs> Eric did it better than I did. This is an amazing movie. Uh, if you haven't seen, it. I believe it's nominated for Best International Feature. I might be wrong about that. I think it might be. Uh, it takes place in Bosnia, 1995. Aida is played by uh, Yasna Juricic. She's a translator. And Boris Isakovic plays General Ratko Mladic, which if you know who he was, he was a pretty evil dude. I think he may have been tried and convicted of war crimes for some of the things he did in Bosnia. Uh, this takes place in Srebrenica. It's a basic concept. And once again, I won't go through the whole thing, but Serbian army is flowing into Srebrenica. The town is running away to go to the UN compound and be safe. And the UN compound takes in a certain percentage of the town, drops the gates, said no one else is allowed in. And the rest of the town is basically standing outside of the gates. And in fact, Aida's husband and two sons are standing outside of the gates. And this movie is a pretty straightforward movie. 
It's going to tell you about what happened there. No secret, not, not anything good. It's pretty much this woman's efforts to save her family and maybe save more people. And it's just her doing every single thing she can possibly do while it's telling you the story of what happened there. It's very streamlined. It's very intense. And the last 20 minutes of this movie are fucking amazing. There's a scene, I'm not going to say what it is. There's a scene where she's just walking through a room that is really, really crushing. She's really great. Yasna, I will, hopefully I'm saying her name right. She is very, very, very good in this movie. She's the linchpin, holds it together. It's also like we were talking about earlier. In a lot of ways, this really ties into some of the live action um, shorts we were talking about because there's a lot here about the UN like bureaucracy and their weakness. And when they're faced with moments where they could or could not do something to save people. They're constantly like, oh, this is all we can do. We can't do anymore. This is all we can do. We can't do anymore. And it's just very frustrating and very maddening and, and really emotional and really good. And I'm sure it, Eric. It's almost a, like, I, I would say, a, you know, like a tragedy of incompetence as well. Yes. Because a, a lot of the tragedy that happens is like you said, well, I can't do that. It's like, dude, people are going to die. A lot yeah. of people are going to die. Well, the, the opening scene of this movie, the opening scene is them sitting there with the UN people and the person from the town saying like, you said that they aren't going to go any further into our town, right? If they do, you're going to bomb them, right? Yes, we'll do that. You guarantee it? Well, I'm the messenger. Like that's the opening scene. And you're like, oh shit, I see where this is going. This is not going anywhere good. Yeah, so it's a really good movie though. Okay, so that's Quo Vadis Aida. It's on demand digital. I believe it's digital, but at least on demand right now where, where you can watch it. And it and both Eric and Bruce really loved it. I have not yet. Maybe I'll do a rewind this week. Hopefully I still have the link to check out Quo Vadis Aida. But again, Bruce, high recommend for you for this movie. Yeah, high recommend. And this is not like a boring historical movie. It starts like right when the shit's going down and it's just tense. If the whole movie is tense. Yeah, okay. it's really good. And I'm going to go very quick on my recommendation. This mo- this is a new movie, at least stateside. It's called Mafie, M-O-F-F-I-E. It opens April 9th in select theaters on digital and VOD. The most important single factor in the South African army, the soldier. All our efforts are directed at equipping him physically and otherwise for the defense of our country. Thank you all for being with us to send off my firstborn to do his military service. Jeff! You'll be okay, sir. Show them what you made of. You are no longer anyone. You are a And work to try to make you a Zwart barbaren is op ons voorstoep. Lui gaat geit. Mok gaat geit. Kaffer sympathie. Zal nie gedood word nie. Do whatever you can to stay invisible. 
I'm not like you. Mafi, it's set in 1981, and it's in South Africa. South Africa's, I'm reading from the, from the plot synopsis, South Africa's white minority government is in a conflict on the southern Angolan border. Now, 1981, a lot of these young white teenagers from 16 on, they, they, are, they must serve at least two years in the military. And the main character here, Nicholas van der Swart, he is sent to train to become part of the army. He's only 16, and this movie, Mafi, looks at his two years of military service trying to serve his country within this apartheid regime. So it takes a look, a really up-close and personal look at his journey. Here's the thing regarding Nicholas. He's gay, and he's coming of age, okay? 16, coming of age with his sexuality, with his identity. He's also in the army. And then Mafi, this movie is the language is in English and in Afrikaans. Mafi in Afrikaans is a slang for a homophobic slur. So this is what makes Mafi a very layered drama where it's like if you want a military drama, you have it. If you want a coming of age movie, you have it. But coming of age with that extra level of swimming upstream with the main character being gay in 1981 in a military which which <laughs> calls people mafia and they punish people who are gay, punish people not just verbally but physically. So it's a very suffocating movie. Very, it's a tough, tough watch. A very tough watch. But again, like you were mentioning, Bruce with Hunger Ward, sometimes movies aren't supposed to be easy watches, and this movie really puts you right in the thick of things of 1981 of of this young. I want to say boy, but this young teen, teen's life and this the main actor in here, he is very good. I believe his name is Kai, Kai Brummel. I have to look at his, look up his name, but it's a very promising debut from him, from him. I believe this might be his first movie. I'll look him up on IMDb and correct myself later. But here's the thing. Go check out Mafi. Tell me what you think. It's a tough watch. The ending is very subtle. The directing is top notch. And I was thinking while I was watching this movie, I go, wow, this is a very personal movie. And I wonder what this writer-director, Oliver Hermanis, Hermanis is going to make next. He's a South African filmmaker. I just looked on his Twitter page. His next film after Mafia, which obviously he's completed, his next film is a remake or an adaptation of that Akira Kurosawa classic, Ikiru. So I don't know if you, either of you what? have seen Ikiru. Yeah, you've seen Ikiru, Bruce. Wow. Yeah, so that's... That, that's- ballsy <laughs> that is very ballsy and it's actually going to be, be an adaptation of the ikiru story by the screenwriter of the remains of the day so it's going to be a very layered hopefully so what society is it going to take place in uh, not japan probably i think it's going to be it's going to be in london i'm going to ask i'm i you know what i'm going to ask him tomorrow if i have the time and i'll, I'll put all of that listeners i will put all of that information regarding my interview and i'm going to ask him that ikiru question if you have not seen ikiru listeners i-k-i-r-u directed by akira kurosawa i might be on criterion collection just go on justwatch.com this is a, a life-changing movie in my opinion i really loved it 
very quickly, Bruce and Eric, do you high marks regarding Ikiru? Yes. Oh yeah, it's excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an excellent movie. Mafia is also, in my opinion, an excellent film. Well done film. Really excited to see what that director has in store next. Again, that is Mafia. Check it out. M O F F I E. Tell us what you think when you go check it out. We are closing our Find Your Film with some what's in the box stuff from Bruce Perky. I am I am hoping that the collar is fantastic. The collar, 1987. You can find this on Tubi, so you can watch it tonight with some ads. Oh, you have something to say, Eric? You look like you're going to say something. <laughs> um, so the collar is a two-hander. It has two characters. The collar, played by Malcolm McDowell. Oh, I love oh, it. Love I it got your attention. Yeah. And the girl, played by Madeline Smith Osborne who I don't know as much, but I looked, she has a few things I might recognize her from. I think maybe Urban Cowboy, maybe, I don't know. Anyway, what, basically- Hold on, who, who is she in Urban Cowboy? I don't, I feel like I saw I, her in there. I'm not get, sure. Go on, I'll look it up right now. Okay, so the movie starts out, this is a very, very odd movie. I'm surprised I've never heard of this movie. It starts out with her driving up to this cabin, kind of this cabin in the woods, but it's kind of a nicer cabin, but it's still isolated. She goes inside, she's you know moving a hat box around. The hat box, it looks like it might be bleeding. It has something dripping from it. She puts it in a bedroom. She's going around, getting dressed, undressed. The whole time you're seeing from outside, someone is watching her. So, so it's like classic, almost like a slasher setup, right? Someone's creeping up on her. And then after about, and it's pretty much silent. No one's speaking. You're just seeing someone creeping on her the whole time. She's going from room to room. There's shots through the windows. And then after about seven or eight minutes, there's a knock at the door, a hard knock at the door. She opens the door. She's I'm waiting for my, you know, my boyfriend. She's looking around and it's Malcolm McDowell, some guy she'd never seen before showing up. It's like, oh, hey, my car broke down six miles away and I, you're the only place I could find, you know, please let me inside. And then it becomes this weird cat and mouse where uh, almost like those sleuth or, I don't know, death trap, if you've ever seen death trap, these kind of games where you, these two characters are obviously playing off each other, you know, they're sparring mentally, you know, she keeps trying to catch him in a lie. And every time she does catch him in a lie, he goes, ah, point to you. You know, you got me there. I wasn't telling you the truth there. And it's just this, there's this very strange heightened, like her acting style. I thought for the most of the movie, like, wow, she's really overacting and playing this a very arch way. Uh, it was kind of bothering me, but there's kind of a reason to that. Anyway, mm-hmm. they go through this whole first night. They go through this whole first night, first night, taking count. And you think at one point they're maybe going to kill each other. You're wondering if maybe he's actually a cop and not a killer. Maybe he's undercover and trying to figure out what she's been doing because she had this hat box after all there's this very weird interaction between them it's like you're not sure who's good who's bad or if either of them are bad or if they're playing a game and they know each other from before it's this sounds fantastic this sounds very very good uh, and it's not quite as stylish but i swear to god this is teetering close to de palma territory oh my god you need to look into this movie but and then smash cut it's the next day she's out and almost gets run over by him driving this sports car and they go on a drive together and a whole other thing. So basically two or three nights occur between them. I'm not going to say all the things that go down, but it's, it's almost, when you talk about stagey or play like movies, this is definitely in that category, right? This could easily have been a play. I haven't looked it up. It might've been a play at one point, but I will tell you, we talked earlier about twists, whether they work or didn't work and held this twist Definitely in the last five minutes of this movie, this twist 
will either totally destroy this movie for you and you will hate it or you will go like that was one of the most fucking bonkers things i've ever seen that twist was ridiculously cool <laughs> you know it's and like, bruce what is your judgment i really like the twist it it, it was will me and eric like even, it will me and eric like the twist will one of us hate it what do you think uh, i predict one of you would like this movie a lot i it, maybe both of you Ooh. Uh, okay if let's say you had the money I, money writing what's it you got the money money on you what do you say both of us love the twist I think both of you like this movie. I think both of you like this movie. I think it's weird enough. uh, And I swear, like, (laughs) I was was teetering on the edge. I really was teetering on the edge through, like, most of this movie. Most of the movie, I was like, what is this movie? This movie is either the worst thing or one of the best things I've ever seen. I don't know if I even like this movie. It's really weird. Wait, wait, who who gave Um, this to you? Who gave this to you? Oh, this is Joseph Bridges. Oh, Joseph Bridges. Joseph Bridges, always good. Always good taste. Joseph Bridges, very, very good. He he has very interesting taste in cinema, and he's a huge cinephile. Knows yeah. more about movies than, than I do, actually. So, and this is definitely in B movie ter- territory, right? This is not you know art house movie. Dude, but I love very, B-movies. yeah. But it's like like you know how like De Palma is. He does a B movie, but he does it in a really odd way that makes it elevated and strange. And if you get the vibe, you like it. This is one of those kind of movies. If you start getting into the vibe of it, you'll probably love it. If you don't you probably won't but uh, well, this is how much i love b- yeah this is how i'm sorry this is how much i love b movies eric holmes answer the question i love b movies so much that my favorite johnny depp movie ever by a mile is what uh crybaby is what bruce perky i love b movies so much that my favorite johnny depp wait which one ed wood oh yeah that'd be good my favorite johnny depp movie and i'm not kidding no joke you, sh- you should have gotten it bruce i'm disappointed in you you just mentioned brian de palma Directed by David Cap, the most underrated Johnny Depp movie ever. Oh, the... and my favorite Johnny Depp movie is Secret Window. Yeah. Secret Window. Oh. As yeah. soon as you said David Cap, I'm like, damn it. Uh, yes. <laughs> and I love it's pretty good. Yeah, this this is yeah. I mean, this, okay. this is one of those high concept weirdo. I'm so weirdo, like almost a play. And and I oh, <laughs> I'm I can't so into this. Twist. Oh, no, the don't tell me. So, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't, I won't. Don't tell me. It's yeah. so fucking weird. It's so oh, fucking weird. I want to say one more thing. Uh, <laughs> I, Eric Holmes. Real quick. I, I just wanted to mention the uh, Matt, Madeline Osborne. She was Pam in Urban Cowboy, the one that uh, Bud goes to when he leaves Sissy. So any Urban Cowboy fans, that's who we're talking about. Are you, a, are you an Urban Cowboy fan? Huge. Urban huge. Cowboy okay. Fan. Huge Urban Cowboy fan. He looks like he's wearing mama's hair net. <laughs> I will so, say this. I have not seen Urban Cowboy, but I did see Madeline Smith Osborne when I was 17 in this Chevy Chase movie called Funny Farm. Uh, and yeah. she was, I guess, his wife, I believe, in Funny Farm. And I remember watching that movie, having a huge crush on Madeline Smith Osborne. And, and I thought to myself, man, this can't wait to see more movies from her. And if you look at, at her IMDb, she I don't know what happened. Maybe she raised, I, don't, I haven't looked at her bio but she hasn't done a lot of movies in her career. I thought she was a really wonderful actress throughout the 80s. Eric Holmes, you wanted to say something? Yeah, I just wanted to uh, apologize all the way back to when I hit you the first time. But <laughs> which, which... <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, I can't get off Urban Cowboy. <laughs> oh, 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 Urban, oh, Urban Cowboy. Okay. You know, I, got, I definitely got to see Urban Cowboy. Hey, Bruce, did you ever see Urban Cowboy? Oh, like, way when it came out. I was pretty young. I don't remember much about it other than the obvious stuff but yeah yeah i've seen it is urban cowboy better than secret window eric holmes come on quick 
better? I mean, they're completely different movies. That's <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah. like, which you like better, or... Evil Dead or Up? Uh, well, you know what? I, I don't think an urban cowboy, they don't eat corn. So obviously Secret Window is better, right? Oh, they, eat, they eat corn. Actually, they eat a lot of McDonald's. That's another. <laughs> hey, maybe it might be better. I, I, I use, dude, I pull so many quotes from my day-to-day life on Urban Cowboy. And like a lot of it, I forget that I, I came from Urban Cowboy. Oh, I got to see this immediately. I've got to see. Like, God damn it, McDonald's again. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. By the way, McDonald's is not sponsoring us anymore. So I wish they did sponsor us. Speaking of which, Bruce Perky, you're, you're, what's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the bleeping yes, box? What's in the box? What's in the fucking box? <laughs> Oh no, I don't know. Yeah, the collar is weird. I'm surprised it's not more of a cult following because it's okay. It's, it's well, we're going to make the collar a cult following kind of movie. How about that? Okay. Well, we have definitely gone from one extreme to the other because Mr. William Lindis, William Lindis from the Movie Bears podcast, a fine yes. friend there, yes, Movie has Bears podcast, suggested the bitter tears of Petra von Kant's. By oh my goodness okay okay and uh that's interesting all right so and <laughs> yes eric holmes a little bit of he's shown off those cool cards those entertainment cool cards and uh you know those winners uh, yes, Angie, I be- yes i believe we uh believe we uh randomized some winners at the beginning of the show before recording yes and we're going to name the winners right now Oh, I thought did we did we not name the winners? Did we name the winners at the beginning? No, we, we did, did that. Be, we 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 pulled the name of the winners before we recorded, but we never announced them yet. Oh, you know what? Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky, as usual, doing my bleeping job for me <laughs> as I continue to screw up. This week, this week I screwed up on the held interviews. What will Greg Srivasti do now to tank Find Your Film? Tune in next week. But anyways, thank you, Eric Holmes, for that. The winners for Eric Holmes' entertainment gift card giveaway. Apologies to Eric Holmes and, of course, the Entertain Marks and everyone in Colorado Springs. The winner, the winners are Jamie Bolanger and Angie Clark. So email Eric Holmes at hamslime at gmail.com to yes, 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 clap, yes. clap, clap. These will be coming to you. And then if you would like to come to us on the show, you may, but you don't have to, if you don't want to. Yes. And uh, actually I, I have to hit up Chad Wilfong cause he's, uh, I, I haven't heard from, I don't know if he got his movies yet, but uh, maybe um, cause he was the other winner of the last one. So maybe All he right. needs to come on. Uh, I'll hit him up and see what's up with that. Or maybe he doesn't want to, and that's fine too. Yeah. But uh, congratulations. Yeah. Uh, Chad Wilfong, Jamie Bollinger, Angie Clark, if any of you want to get on the show, talk about your entertainment gift card purchases, hit us up and uh, talk about the movie. We'll review the movie, all that, and all that good jazz, all that jazz. Speaking of which, all that jazz, <laughs> great movie or not, Bruce? Have you seen it? You love it? All that jazz? Yes. yes great movie. Eric Holmes, all that jazz? Yes? Never I don't know if it. I've even seen it. it. I probably saw it with oh. my grandma back in the day, but I do not remember it. I know. I, I know you- is fucking amazing in that movie so amazing in all that jazz we're gonna close with that actually eric we're gonna close with you you want to say something really sublime and deep regarding this very lengthy and meaty find your film episode look if you're uh, i I don't know how many police officers are listening to this show um and if uh, you did maybe you uh stopped listening early on in the episode but if you stuck with us um maybe you stuck with us because you're not offended because you don't kill people and that's fine uh, maybe tell your coworkers to uh, 
ease up on the trigger finger. And for those of you who uh, are cops, uh, you know, try to be helpful. And let's try to be helpful and not try to hurt people. That's what I got. That's what I got from uh, watching these shorts. And uh, hopefully other people that watch these shorts, uh, the ones that we covered, maybe they can learn something else as positive. Yeah, very friends. Don't kill them. Very, yeah, very good. Very good message, Eric Holmes, to close the show. Bruce, anything else you got to think? Top uh, I would just like to forward promo that we are going to be doing a special Dogma 95 Ooh. episode soon. Yes, Eric Holmes, you want to tell what we're going to be recording this weekend regarding Dogma 95 and the celebration and Thomas Vinterberg. Can you say that without the lighting in the background? Because you've already broken one of the important uh, yeah, rules hold, of Dogma. Hold on, hold on. Let me turn oh my good, how dare you? How dare you with yeah, the, we'll that extra shut, flash on this? Shut that off right there. And I don't know where the other thing is. Uh, <laughs> I was just... uh, yeah, here we go. Hold on. Okay. We got to be unadorned. Unadorned. Oh. You know what? I should probably turn off my lights too. All right. Ah, so, what? I lost my two. Uh, camera's gone. <laughs> oh, my camera's gone. Oh, right. oh, oh my, my camera's gone. I can only, I can only promote ah. this with natural light <laughs> no. and uh, only diegetic music. But uh, we will be talking about the celebration, uh, directed by can't name it, but it's directed by a person, and we will talk about that as well as a couple other Dogma ninety five movies. Um, completely without notes all from our head and uh, we cannot use cgi and we will be uh recording the next podcast on 35 millimeter prints uh academy ratio and uh yeah check it out it's gonna be good <laughs> oh yeah and the whole thing's gonna, the whole thing's gonna be handheld <laughs> and bruce is hand holding the the camera just because it's it's dogma 95 i'm not as I am not as creative as my betters. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Dogman 95 this weekend. Take care, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening to Find Your Film. And check us out as we're going to be doing some more celebrating this weekend with Dogman 95. Take care. Bye-bye.